Turn in your Bibles, please, to Deuteronomy 29.29. Deuteronomy 29.29 for a verse that's important in understanding the sovereignty of God and His dominion. It is good for us to remember that when our minds or anyone else would ever question or criticize the sovereignty of God or His dominion over sinful men, that we'll remember that He has two wills. God has a secret will of the things that He is going to do. And the things that He is going to do include the things that you are going to do. But He also has a revealed will, which is the listing of all the things in the Bible that He tells us we should do. And it's that revealed will that we're responsible for and the secret things we're to leave with Him. And Deuteronomy 29.29 is a good verse for explaining these two different things. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. The law that we do is what God has revealed to us, and therefore our children and us. It's the Word of God. Moses was giving some of the first written words of Scripture in the Bible. Job may have been written earlier. Moses was giving us written Scripture, and it's this is what God has revealed that we are to do. So we look in the Bible, we find that we're a New Testament Christians, we're New Testament Gentile Christians, So we know that our duties are primarily taught in the New Testament. We do those things. The secret things of what God's going to do, what He has chosen chosen to overrule in the affairs of man, we leave those with Him. We see them happen. When, When an event happens, we know that that was the secret will of God or it wouldn't have happened. The revealed things are the ones that are written down for us and those are the ones that we do. Sometimes... And if this happens often, God's secret will will be accomplished with someone breaking His revealed will. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ is the greatest example. The secret purpose of God, and it wasn't all that secret, was it? Because it was revealed in the Bible to varying degrees. But even the disciples didn't understand it, that Jesus was going to go be crucified. His secret will was all the details of the death, resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in accomplishing that purpose, there were wicked men that sinned against His revealed will by corrupting the trial of the Lord Jesus and bringing Him to Pilate and turning Him over to them and demanding that He be crucified when He was a perfectly innocent and righteous man. Look at at Proverbs 19 with me. Let's very quickly do this and think of a few more aspects of the dominion of God as we close out our study of this subject, I am thankful that about 40 copies, there's one left, 40 copies of Arthur Pink's The Sovereignty of God have been taken. I'm hoping that they'll be read because it's an excellent book. Those of us who have gone back and read it after many years are thankful for what we read a long time ago and what we can still read today and what we've tried to make available for you. I hope you'll read that book and be solidly established in the sovereignty of God. It's something you can do during the week that will be of great profit to your soul. Proverbs 19 and verse 21. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. I understand
verse to be teaching about that eternal, determining, predestinating counsel of the Lord, that though a man may have many devices in his heart, he has decided many things he'd like to do, the counsel of the Lord is what's going to end up happening. And so here we see his counsel occurring. His counsel happening, no matter how many devices a man may have in his heart. But look at Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, and these kind of comparisons and contrasts and apparent contradictions could be multiplied indefinitely. Luke chapter 7 and verse 30. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of Him. Here are, here are men that disobeyed and rejected the counsel of God, though it said there were many devices in a man's heart, yet the counsel of the Lord shall stand. His secret counsel is always going to stand. His revealed counsel will be broken. What's his revealed counsel here? Repent and be baptized, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist and the Lord Jesus preached the message. They rejected the message and did not submit to it. Look at Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23. God has His secret will of what is going to come to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. We don't know all those things. We just leave them with the Lord because He said to leave them with me. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. They're His possession. They're His ownership. We shouldn't try to delve into them. But the revealed things belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this written, preached law. Great difference between those two things. And if you understand that, you'll understand that while the revealed will of God is being broken, the secret will of God is coming to pass. And in that we find great comfort. If you look at it just from God having a revealed will, the whole world is in total chaos and there's no one in charge. Then you can have someone like Billy Graham say, I just don't understand how he could allow some evil event to happen. We understand how he could allow it, and he's got a thousand reasons for it that we don't even know. But we know that he is in total control and government of it. Jeremiah 23, 22, we're looking for a contrast in words. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. There's a counsel they did not stand in, But that was a counsel that was preached. This was a warning by the prophets. This is the revealed counsel of God that is violated. His secret counsel is never violated, though there be many devices against it in the hearts of men. They accomplish His purpose. We could go on many different ways and many different verses looking at those different things and seeing the contrast of God's secret will and His revealed will. The Bible says in James 1.20, The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. But in Psalm 76 and verse 10 it says, Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee, and the remainder of wrath thou shalt restrain. How do we reconcile those? God is not pleased by us breaking His revealed will and being angry against the words of Scripture. In James chapter 1 and verse 20, which is why it says, Wherefore, receive ye the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. It's dealing with the revealed will of God. But all the acts of violence and rage of men, God's in total control of them and uses them for His own praise and righteousness. 
We could, we could see many different examples of those, but that is sufficient. God knew what He was going to do with Israel, and God told them what they should do. Much more could be said. I'm leaving it. You can look at the outline. You can read Arthur Pink's book. I want to keep moving and I want to finish. Some men will bring up some verses against the sovereignty of God, and I want you prepared to answer them. So I want to deal with a few of those. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 26. For those of you that want to be able to defend the faith, I want to give you some of the best verses that they can pull together, trying to show that some things have not been determined by God in His ordaining and predestinating purpose and rule of the world. 1 Samuel 26 and verse 10. I've had these used against me in days gone by. And I thank the Lord for giving us the whole Word of God that if we'll study and compare, answers are easily found. First Samuel 26.10, David said, Furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall descend into battle and perish. I've had that verse thrown at me that, see, God hasn't determined when, if, or how a person's going to die. Now, who's speaking here? David. David. What does David know? Does David know the secret things that belong unto the Lord our God or only the revealed things? He doesn't know how Saul's going to die. God certainly does. God knows exactly how he's going to die. David doesn't know. Rightly divide the word of truth, brethren. David doesn't know. Does God know? Well, let's try Jeremiah 15 and verse 2 and see if God knows. Job said about the Lord that He does the thing appointed for me and He's got many such things with Him. If you remember from last Sunday, Jeremiah chapter 15. Now we've got the Lord speaking. A different perspective. Notice, I'm going to read the first two verses. Jeremiah 15, Then said the Lord unto me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be toward this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. And it shall come to pass if they say unto thee, Whither shall we go forth? Then thou shalt tell them, Thus saith the Lord, Such as are for death to death, and such as are for the sword to the sword, and such as are for the famine to the famine, and such as are for the captivity to the captivity. And I will appoint over them four kinds. And we don't need to keep reading. We've got the point already. The Lord has already appointed four kinds of death, and He's going to charge each one. If they say, what's going to happen to us? Well, for those of you that are going to go into captivity, that I've appointed captivity, you're going to captivity. There's the balance. David didn't know. David didn't know how Saul was going to die. God already... Come on, do you think God was surprised by the witch of Endor? The Lord was surprised by Saul being wounded on the battlefield? The Lord wasn't surprised by any of that? It was all in His eternal counsel and plan and purpose that He had purposed upon the life of King Saul. And here He tells us that. But this is when the Lord's speaking and He's revealing some of His secret things. When we read 1 Samuel 26, that was David with just a very limited vision of the future. He didn't know how Saul was going to die. Because only the Lord is able to declare the things which be not as though they were. Only the Lord knows the end from the beginning. Men don't know it. I hope that's easy. You say, that's pitiful that somebody would strain with that verse. Oh, you get out enough 
and talk about the total dominion of God and you'll have men trying to find verses in the Bible against your position. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 7. Jeremiah chapter 7. This is going to give us two of them. This is the favorite chapter in the Bible against the sovereignty of God. I love what I'm about to tell you and show you. Jeremiah chapter 7. I've preached a message on this many years ago called The Bible Cannot Profit. Some of you may remember. We went through the whole chapter. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 8. Behold, ye trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will ye steal, murder, and commit adultery, and swear falsely, and burn incense unto Baal, and walk after other gods whom ye know not, and come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations. Those three verses are used this way. It is a lie to teach that men are delivered, determined, destined to commit abominations. It's a lie. I've been pounded with this passage in the ancient past. These are lying words that we are delivered to do these things. You're not delivered to do them. You don't have to do them if you don't want to. Verse 10 is talking about the sovereignty and dominion of God the way you preach it. That's a lie. Because verse 8 says it's a lie. Okay. The word delivered there has nothing to do with the predestination, sovereignty of God or dominion whatsoever. The word delivered there is that we have this temple in Israel and we know it's the temple of the Lord. And because we've got the temple of the Lord, we can live any way we want to because we're going to be kept safe by the God whose temple we have in our land. That is what verses 8 through 10 are saying. Can I prove that easily from the context? Very easily. Look at verse 4. Here are the lying words, and it has nothing to do with the sovereignty of God. Trust ye not in lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. Those are the lying words. That because we've got the temple, we can live any way we want to, and God is under obligation to deliver us, protect us, save us, and He will just overlook our sins because we're His people, because we have His temple. That's what Jeremiah 7, the first half of it's talking about. If you were to go down and read through here, this is Jeremiah coming and warning them to amend their ways in verse 3 and their doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. But I am not going to keep delivering you by protecting you and saving you if you just keep trusting in the presence of the temple without living holy lives. The word deliver in verse 10 has nothing to do with the determining purpose of God. It's that they're claiming we can come and stand in this house and we can continue sinning any way we want because we've got God's temple here. And the sermon I preached to you was right following a long series I preached why we believe the Bible is God's Word. And after we went through the Bible and proved how it is God's Word, I then preached a message, the Bible cannot profit us unless we obey. Just because we've got the King James Bible in book form in our hands, in our house, even if we memorize it in our heads, that will not deliver us. We have to obey. We have to amend our ways and amend our doings. That's what Jeremiah 7 is talking about. 
There is nothing in verse 10 about God's determining sovereignty over the lives of men causing them to commit these abominations. I can go to many other places and show that He causes them to commit these abominations and I'm on my way there. But this passage right here, the word deliver does not mean determined. The word deliver means saved. Don't you trust in the fact that you have the temple? That's not enough. And was it enough for the generation of Jeremiah? No. Nebuchadnezzar came and tore the temple to its foundation. The temple didn't save them. And so the Lord says, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. And those lying words that cannot profit are not God's sovereignty. The lying words that cannot profit are the temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord are these. Look at these buildings we've got. As long as we've got this, we've got God on our side, we can go do whatever we want. Oh, no, you can't. Amend your ways was the word of Jeremiah to these people. Is my house, verse 11, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Just because you've got my building where I come and my presence is with Israel, does that allow you to be robbers without any judgment from me? That's the issue of Jeremiah chapter 7. He tells them in verses 5, 6, and 7, if you'll amend thoroughly, Truly amend your ways and your doings. If you truly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you won't oppress the stranger, if you'll do the things that we've read about before being the character traits of righteous men, then will I cause you to dwell in this place in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. You being delivered and remaining here in this land depends on your obedience, not on the temple being there. Enough. I'm not going to spend any more time on it. I spent a whole sermon. It's very plain. If you just read the context, there isn't a, there isn't a doubt that the sovereignty, there isn't any, any doubt at all that the sovereignty of God is not even in verse 10. The deliverance there is salvation that they presumed upon because they had the temple. Let's go further into that chapter. Here's the second argument from this chapter that could be thrown at you by men who know their Bibles. Verse 31. And they have built the high places of Tophet. Jeremiah 7.31 And they have built the high places of Tophet, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my heart. Oh, this is sweet. We are commanded. Rightly divide the word of truth unless you want to be ashamed in your doctrine. And disapproved before God. They use this verse and say, God had no idea they were going to do such a thing. It never came into his mind to cause them to commit such abominations. It wasn't in his heart at all for them to do such a thing. He didn't command this in any way. Holding, holding your finger there, turn over to Jeremiah 32 and let's get another reading of the same kind of a verse. Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah 32 and verse 35, And I thank You, Lord of heaven, for helping us understand Thy Word. We will not call in question nor try to limit Your sovereign dominion over men, even Your people. Jeremiah 32, 35, And they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire unto Molech, which I commanded them not, 
Neither came it into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. Didn't come into his mind. He never commanded them that they should do such a thing. Two wills of God. Secret will and revealed will. What mind did it never come into? Where did he never command it? In his revealed will. Because you can go read all the commandments that God gave to Moses. Did he ever tell them to build the high places of Hinnom and to offer their sons and their daughters as sacrifices? He never commanded such a thing. It never came into his mind to command such a thing in his revealed will that they should do such things. It most definitely came into his secret mind that they would do such things. Brethren, do you know how, do you know how sweet this is? Only God knows and my wife. The torment that I went through in a battle on this subject with these verses. And I thank the God of heaven that I have a God that is in total charge and commands everything that comes to pass. And now I will prove that them burning their children in fire, God most definitely did command it. Not in His revealed will. He never wrote a verse that said, when you're wondering why harvest isn't any better than it is, go burn your kids. There's no verse like that. It never came into his mind to write a verse like that in the Bible. And that's why it says, I neither commanded it, nor did I think it, nor did it ever enter my heart that you should do such things. I never taught you to do anything like this. My revealed will that I gave to you and your children was to protect you from all such abominations. Okay, Ezekiel chapter 20. Ezekiel chapter 20. Let's see if we've rightly divided the word of truth. Let's see if God would ever command such horrible things by His people that would involve burning of children. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 23. I lifted up Mine hand unto them also in the wilderness, that I would scatter them among the heathen and disperse them through the countries, because they had not executed My judgments, but had despised My statutes, and had polluted my Sabbaths, and their eyes were after their father's idols. Wherefore, I gave them also statutes that were not good, and judgments whereby they should not live. And I polluted them in their own gifts, in that they caused to pass through the fire all that openeth the womb, that I might make them desolate to the end that they might know that I am the Lord." I gave them statutes that were not good and judgments whereby they should not live and I polluted them in their own gift giving, their own gifts. Do you know what those commandments, statutes, and gifts were? I commanded that they would fall subject and pray to the false ideas of Canaanite worship and they would burn up their own children to desolate their own nation to know that I am the Lord God. If you don't want to do it my way, Remember, I raised up my hand to them in the wilderness, verse 23. I called them to obey my statutes, but they didn't want my statutes, so I gave them commandments and statutes to destroy them, and that was to burn their own children up. Not written. Not written. But in His sovereign providence and rule over that nation, He caused them to go after the false ideas of Canaanite worship to destroy their own people. God is sovereign over all. 
Lamentations chapter 3 says, Shall there be evil in a city, and the Lord hath not commanded it? Impossible. Impossible. When it says that I did not command it, and it, it wasn't in my mind, and it didn't enter my heart that you should do such things, he's referring to his revealed will. I never told you to do such things. You know, what the commandments are what the Moses wrote down. God's commandments. I never commanded you to do such a thing by writing it down from Moses. It didn't even enter my mind to put such a ridiculous, crazy thing into my word for you to, that you should do such things. But because they didn't like what he gave them, he gave them over. I gave them statutes that were not good. Is that anything Moses wrote? No. And I gave them judgments whereby they should not live. Is that anything Moses wrote? No. And I polluted them in their own gifts. I turned them over and caused them to fall subject to Phoenician Baal worship where they would burn their own children by thinking that was a gift that I was asking for so that they would make themselves desolate so that they would know in the end that I am the Lord. You don't want to do it my way. You want to do it some other way. I'll give you that other way. I'll turn you over to it until you destroy yourself. If we are not careful with all God has shown us, if we do not amend our ways, He can blind our eyes and close up our ears though we are His children as fast as anyone and we would do anything. Remember Ezekiel 14, a few pages from here, where it said if a man comes to a prophet of God with an idol set up in his heart, I myself will answer that man. I will deceive the prophet that he's asking so that that prophet tells a lie to the man who's seeking it and I'll destroy them both. What was the end result there as well? That they all shall know I am the Lord. If you don't do it my way, I will destroy you. I mean no disrespect at all, but there's only one being in the universe that can say my way or the highway. And that is the God of heaven. And when he gives us his commandments, and his commandments were precious. Do you remember what he told Israel? All the nations of the earth are going to envy you because of the commandments I've given you. And never, never did it enter his mind to ever write them such something so terrible, something so heinous as killing your own children to make peace with God. That's all those verses mean. I gave you precious commandments. They weren't anything like what you've ended up doing. But what you've ended up doing, I gave you over to it, and I gave you the Canaanite statutes and judgments and gifts so that you would desolate yourselves. Acts chapter 7. A number, argument number 4. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. Sometimes He reveals them. And he sure revealed one to Jeremiah, didn't he? And to Ezekiel. I gave them over to commandments and statutes that were not good. Those were not Moses. Those were ones of Canaan. Acts chapter 7, verse 51. Stephen's preaching and he comes toward the end of his sermon and he says, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Those of you who have studied irresistible grace, Already know the answer to this verse. Ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. But now we have read repeatedly for nine sermons statements such as Nebuchadnezzar's, that he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. 
and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? So God's irresistible. I have purposed it. I will bring it to pass. I have thought it. I will do it. So what does it mean here? I tell you the solution is in Deuteronomy 29, 29. What, Holy Spirit, did they resist? The secret will of God by His operation of the Spirit that makes the crooked serpent that no man can make straight, that operation that blows as the wind, or this operation, the Holy Spirit of God in the Scriptures of the prophets and their preaching. The Jews always resisted the preaching of the prophets. God sent them prophets over and over and over, and they resisted His revealed will. But they did not resist His secret will. Do you know what His secret will was? That they would resist the revealed will. Because He hath stopped, He hath closed their eyes, stopped up their ears and hardened their hearts, that they should not hear and understand, and I convert them. That's repeated over and over. It's in Acts 28. It's in John 12. It's in Matthew 13. It's from Isaiah 6. It's over and over in the Bible. They were resisting, and they weren't resisting. The irresistible power of God was stopping them up that they had a man in front of them named Stephen who had done mighty miracles. His face shone like an angel. He preached a perfect sermon, and they stoned him to death. They weren't resisting the Holy Ghost in his secret will. They were doing exactly what God had closed them up to do, and that was to rebel against the gospel so that that gospel would come to you and me among the Gentiles. What those prophets had preached about the coming of Jesus Christ, even giving a timeline for it in the book of Daniel chapter 9, they did resist what the prophets preached and what the apostles preached. They resisted that wherever Jesus turned. They resisted His message. That's how they resisted the Holy Ghost. God in His sovereignty is not resisted. He isn't even questioned. He isn't even slowed down. Who is going to hinder Him? Who's going to delay Him? No one. Are there benefits to this doctrine? Brethren, I hope the carefree life is yours by laying hold of this doctrine and filling your soul with it. No matter your circumstances or the circumstances of our nation or of, or of your children or of things that you see, you, you know are out of your control, there's a God in heaven and they're fully in His control. It is the carefree life of peace that learns these things. Remember Job and how he responded to his great adversity? The Lord gave. The Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He worshipped. He did not charge God foolishly. And he told his wife, Shall we receive good only at the hands of God and not evil? Job was a perfect man. Job was a man that God picked out to brag about him, and yet God brought evil into his life. But he understood that. So he didn't curse God or charge God. He worshipped. Hey, I came into this world with nothing. Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. That's the way we want to think and act. You want a worldview for your life? This is a worldview taught by the Bible. Amen. Total submission to God's sovereignty. You, you arrived with nothing, therefore anything you have, He gave you. You did not earn it. I don't care what was spoken at your graduation ceremony. God gave it to you. And if He takes it away, it's entirely His prerogative to do so. Praise His glorious name on both ends of that transaction. 
God hath set the day of adversity and the day of prosperity over the one over against the other so that you can't find out anything other than God is in charge of it all. Amen. In both days, you ought to consider, rejoice, and examine yourself. The goodness of God should lead you to repentance. Brethren, true rejoicing should flow from salvation that's been accomplished. Remember in Ezekiel chapter 13, Ezekiel speaking on behalf of God, that the false message of peace, where there was no peace to be preached, made the heart of the righteous sad, and it strengthened the hands of the wicked. But when you preach a sovereign God, it should make the heart of the righteous glad instead of sad that they have a God that reigns. And it should turn the wicked away from their wickedness because there's a sovereign God that they are dealing with that will destroy them if they do not repent. Jesus said to His disciples, Fear not them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do, but I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast both body and soul into hell. Those are true words spoken by Jesus to His friends. And those are words that we ought to consider. If you love to delight in the Lord, there is none like God to delight in. Go read Isaiah 40 to Isaiah 49 tonight. You want some reading for this afternoon? Go read those ten chapters of Isaiah. Isaiah 40 to 49 and read about His greatness. Read about Him looking to see if there was another God. He couldn't find one. And He didn't know anything that we could ever do to make anything like unto Him. Go read Isaiah 46 again that Jonathan read to us earlier today. Read about how the poor... Baal were, the poor Babylonians were bowed down trying to haul their gods around and then find the great comfort in, I will carry you to the grave. He'll carry us. Their gods have to be carried by them. What a contrast. What a difference. He's going to take us to, through the grave into glory. Amen. He'll carry us. Amen. He uses the word several times. I hope you'll do that. Are you content and happy with God's choices in your life? If you're blessed, you are blessed as much as would be to God's glory and your profit. If He's chastening you right now, you're getting far less than you deserve. In both cases, you should be content and thankful. Are you content and thankful for your your spouse, the one God gave you? Your children that God gave you? The government God put over us? You say, I see things that could be better. Do you think he missed them? Do we deserve a better government? Listen, the government we have is far better than we deserve. We are a wicked nation. We were given the most and we have squandered the most. How about your health? How about your employment? You know, thank God for what he's given you. That doesn't mean you don't work to change it. All the Bible. This is why we're never fatalists and we're never absoluters. Nathan the prophet told David, the child shall die. What did David do? Well, what, what will be, shall be. Well, that's deep. You know what David did? He fell on his face and fasted and prayed for seven days if God peradventure would save that little boy. Not until he was taken did he know the secret will of God. The king of Nineveh was just as wise as David, wasn't he? Forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. You think God got surprised by their repentance? Or was that a conditional threat? 
based on their repentance and prayers. And the city was saved because they repented in sackcloth and ashes. We're never fatalists. We're going to go use whatever means God's given us, but we're going to be content with the results. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for us to rise up early, to stay up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, because He gives His beloved sleep. We do our reasonable best and trust the sovereignty of God to take care of the rest. Did you get a paycheck this week? Do you have any children? Was your nation safe last night? Have you had a heart attack in the last month? Give thanks to God for these and every other benefit. If you've ever had a promotion, it's because God raises up one and puts down another. We should be fearless in following the Lord about all the circumstances of life, whether it be the Virginia Tech campus or a world war. Do you understand that God has sovereignly promoted a man, a brother chosen from among the people, to be the sovereign king and Lord of the universe? And he is our Savior. He is our brother, and he dwells within our hearts. If you are a child of God this morning, by his Spirit. Because the Spirit of Christ is in us, which causes us to cry out, Abba, Father. Because this God that we have looked at briefly is our Father by predestinating adoption through Jesus Christ our Lord to the praise of the glory of His grace and according to His own will. You lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's love and adore Him. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. If you love battles where the hero always wins, then you should love the Bible. Because God always wins and His Son Jesus Christ always wins. And you can count on that through the curtain of death. Because the Lord Jesus Christ will deliver every single one God gave Him to His Father. He will not lose a single one. What a glorious gospel. If you don't really care about these things, you are dealing in the most dangerous game that there has ever been. Because God has made the Lord Jesus Christ the head of the corner. If you'll fall on Him and be broken, believing on Him and pursuing and seeking Him and loving Him, you'll be broken in repentance, but you'll be saved. And you'll be made better by the whole thing. But if He falls on you because you want to rebel, He'll grind you to powder. That's the Lord Jesus Christ in His sovereign might. He deserves everything we can give Him. All we have to give Him is our lives. And for many of us, there's not too many years left. So let's redouble our efforts, even this day, to love the Lord Jesus Christ and obey Him. I charge you to do that. In Jesus' name, Amen.